Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I am your host, Isaac Longworth, and when I was in grade eight, I went to a summer camp with a bunch of my friends. And while I was at camp, I met this girl who I became friends with. Now, she told me that she was a Ukrainian Rite Catholic. Now, I had never heard of that before, and maybe you haven't either, but she said, I'm a Ukrainian Rite Catholic. And as we talked about how we lived out our faith as Catholics, I figured out pretty quickly that there was some huge differences in how we lived out our Catholic lives. For instance, her dad was a priest, and she explained to me that in the Ukrainian Rite, Priests are allowed to get married and they're allowed to have families. In fact, her dad came to the camp and celebrated mass for us. And it looked very different from the mass that I was used to growing up as a Roman Catholic. Now, I learned a lot from her. And at first, I wasn't sure if she was legit. I wasn't sure if she was actually Catholic because of how different we seemed. But I learned from her that a long time ago, her church had been separated from the Catholic church. But eventually, we had united so that now we are one. That her and I believe the exact same things about the faith, that she is totally legitimate as a Catholic. We are brothers and sisters in the faith. The difference is, is that they are what's called Eastern Catholics, where I was a Western Catholic. We're in full unity with each other, uh, but we express our faith in a different way. They have their own culture, their own styles of prayer. So all in all, it was a pretty great summer because not only did I get to learn a lot of cool stuff about Eastern Catholics, which I had never heard of before, but I made a new friend on top of it and we're still friends to this day. Now the saint of today plays into this story because he is one of the main reasons why our churches came into full communion. He was a saint that was not content with division between Eastern and Western Christians, he was dedicated to living his life in a way that would bring about peace between Western Catholics like myself and Eastern Catholics like that friend who I met at summer camp. And his name is St. Josephat Konsevich. Now, Josephat was born in Ukraine in the year 1580. And when he was born, he was given the name John. So we'll talk a little bit later in the show about why he had the name change to Josephat. But John was born into an Eastern Orthodox family. Now, a little bit of history for you, just so that you understand what that means, what's going on here. 500 years before John was born in the year 1054, there had been a division between Catholic Christians in the West. So mainly in the city of Rome and Western Europe and Orthodox Christians in the East, centered around the city of Constantinople. So that would be Turkey and Eastern Europe, all the Christians living there. So there was a division between the East and the West. What had happened was Christians in the West had lost contact with Christians in the East for several generations. And so over that time, the churches in each location had developed their own distinct ways of liturgy, uh, styles of prayer and spirituality. At the same time as these religious differences are taking place, politically, the East and the West were rivals of each other. And so their political struggles began bleeding into religious strife. And one of the biggest religious disagreements that the East and the West had with each other 
was over how much authority the Pope really had. You see, in the West, Roman Catholics believed that the Pope was the head of the whole church, that he ruled over the whole church from the city of Rome, and that all the other bishops in the world needed to be obedient to him. Now, in the East, they viewed it a little bit differently. They thought, yes, the Pope is definitely a bishop, but he's just another bishop amongst all the other bishops. So that meant that they thought the Pope had authority over the church in Rome, but he couldn't necessarily tell them what to do. He couldn't boss them around. And so eventually in the year 1054, all of these tensions came to a head and the Eastern church split off from the authority of the Pope in what is now called the Great Schism. This schism, this separation between East and West. And the Western Christians were called Catholics, and the Eastern Christians were called Orthodox. And so obviously this is a very sad development, right? There's division amongst Christians, which was never a part of Jesus's plan. He wanted to have one church in the world, spreading the gospel and living out their faith. And now between East and West, there's Christians mistrusting each other. They're hating each other. They're fighting amongst each other and they're refusing to reconcile. They're refusing to forgive each other and to become one. Now, John and his family, the Konsevich family, was born into one of these Eastern Orthodox churches in Ukraine. Now, I want to be clear, just because the Konsevich family was part of the Orthodox church didn't mean that they had somehow willingly chosen to leave the Catholic church. This had been something that had been going on for generations and they were just born into it. In fact, John and his family were a very faithful and devout family. They loved the Lord Jesus. They taught John how to pray since he was a little child. And in fact, uh, one of the most beautiful styles of prayer that comes out of the East is a tradition of praying with icons. And so in Eastern churches, there are these beautiful paintings called icons of Jesus and Mary and the saints. And the idea is when you look at an icon at this picture, it's supposed to remind you of the heavenly reality. It's almost like a gateway, a portal into heaven that when you meditate upon these images, you're able to actually encounter the person who is painted. And so John's mom brought him to the church and showed him these icons of Jesus and Mary and angels. And as he was standing in front of an icon showing Jesus crucified on the cross, John had an experience, a spiritual experience that he would never forget. It seemed to him like fire came out of the side of Jesus who was crucified on the cross and that fire entered into little John's heart and began to burn there. And this was a huge moment for him. It was a moment that would impact his life forever going on from there because he knew that Jesus was real, that he loved him, and he had a desire to love him back, to give his all for this God who was speaking to him through this icon. Now, while he was growing up, the Orthodox Church in Ukraine was having a historic dialogue with the Catholic Church and the Pope in Rome. The Orthodox Church and the Roman Church were talking back and forth about the possibility of actually coming together as one again. After 500 years of division, 
the bishops were talking with each other about what they had to do to actually make themselves united again. And so they were meeting and arguing and talking about different things. And even those who weren't bishops, the lay people, were all divided amongst each other. On one side, there was a group of Orthodox people that wanted unity with Rome. They wanted to come back and make one church again. And then on the other hand, there were some people that were still struggling because they were wounded from past hurts that they had encountered from Catholics and Orthodox alike, that there had been injustices done from both sides. There was also a fear from the Orthodox perspective that they would lose their identity. If they became Catholic, does that mean that they would lose their own culture, their own style of prayer? And so there was all of these discussions going back and forth. But when John was a teenager and he was working as an apprentice for a local merchant, many of the Eastern bishops in Ukraine decided to unite with the Catholic Church. They decided to come into full communion with the Church, that they would become loyal to the Pope, and in return, the Pope promised to allow them to continue their own traditions, their own styles of liturgy, that there would be a unity of faith, but that that faith would be expressed in a diverse way that the West and the East would have their own styles and ways of approaching God while still believing in the same thing and becoming one. And so when this merge happened, John agreed with it, and he joined with those Ukrainians who wanted to become fully Catholic. And so he left the Orthodox and he became a Catholic while still retaining his Eastern style of worship and culture. John never lost that. He still loved to pray with icons. He still loved the culture and the music and the traditions of the East while still becoming fully united with the church in the West. Now, many Ukrainians were not as overjoyed as John was by this newfound unity. They still wanted to remain separate from the Pope. They wanted to stay Orthodox. They refused to become Catholic. In fact, they fought against the unity that was being achieved between the East and the West. And so because they were against the unity, they were called the Disuniate Camp. That was their nickname. And so despite all this infighting that was happening among his own people, John continued to draw closer to the Lord through prayer. He became very intense in his prayer life, in his devotion to the Lord. And even though he felt a lot of pressure to marry, to start a family, to, you know, build a normal life of his own, have some kids, start a business. He actually felt drawn by God to leave all of those good things behind in order to pursue God more intensely. He felt like God was calling him to become a monk and to leave the world behind. And so when he was 24 years old, John entered a monastery. And it was a tradition at that monastery to give the monks a new name. And that's where he got the name Josephat. So that's the name that we commonly call him by now, St. Josephat Kuntsevich. And he was very eager as a new monk to dedicate his life to intense prayer under the direction of the more advanced priests who lived in the monastery. But you can imagine his disappointment when, when he got to the monastery, he found that many of his brother monks were really lazy with their prayer. They were skipping prayer times, they were sleeping in, they were living these comfortable lives, they weren't living radical lives for the Lord. It seemed like 
They were just going through the motions. And so Josephat wasn't getting the guidance or the advice that he wanted. And so without any guidance from any of his brother priests, Josephat had to try to figure out how to become holy all on his own. And so he was reading books and trying to figure it out. And he began to live a very rigorous life of fasting and penance and prayer. He was intentionally trying to unite himself with the sufferings of Jesus, the same Jesus that he had had that experience with crucified on the cross. And so John wanted to enter into that same suffering of Jesus. And so Josephat never ate meat. He went barefoot in the middle of the winter. Underneath his clothing, he would wear this really itchy, uncomfortable shirt called a hair shirt. He would do all of these things in order to show the Lord his devotion and his firm resolve to become a saint. Now, gradually, over time, his holiness and his virtue were noticed. And his saintly life, it began to have an effect on the lives of the monks around him. They stopped being so selfish, they stopped being so self-centered, and they actually began to reform their lives in imitation of him. But not only the monks were impacted, but the townspeople, both the Orthodox and the Catholic alike, they realized that this was a saintly man, and they sought him out for advice, especially after he was ordained. Now, those who were in the village who were Orthodox and who distrusted the Pope, who distrusted Catholics, they were beginning to be won over by their trust in Father Josephat. He was acting as a kind of bridge between the two camps, because even though he was an Eastern priest, he was united with the West. And he was a saint. And so he was a great example for them of what unity could actually look like. Eventually, because of his virtue, because of his holiness, he was chosen to be the Bishop of Polotsk, which is in modern day Belarus. And when he was only 37 years old, he was consecrated to be Bishop. Now he was pretty reluctant about doing this. It was a lot of responsibility for him, but he was obedient and he followed the Lord's call to become a Bishop even though it was a very difficult task because where he was bishop was extremely divided between Orthodox and Catholic. And he somehow had to try and bring unity amongst these people. And he faced opposition on both sides. And one side, there was the disunates who hated the idea of uniting with the West. They saw Josephat as a kind of traitor to his people and his culture by siding with the West. And then on the other side, he had Roman authorities, Western Catholics, who thought that he needed to be more Western in his style as a Catholic. They didn't appreciate that he still carried on with a lot of the traditions and the liturgies and the prayers of the East. They wanted him to look more Western. And so he lived in that tension. He showed everyone around him that he could be both. It wasn't a question of either the East or the West. He could be both. He could be both loyal to the Pope and united with the Catholic Church, while at the same time being fully Eastern in his style of prayer and liturgy. And he lived in that tension. And he convinced many to be united with the Catholic Church. But there was some stubborn disunates who resisted to the last. And they actually went so far as to consecrate an Orthodox bishop as his rival. So there was a rival bishop to Bishop Josephat. Now, when Bishop Josephat refused to grant his authority to this rival Orthodox bishop, the tension in the city finally erupted into a riot. 
and disunion activists went church to church, ringing bells to gather a mob together, and they poured out into the streets and angrily stormed up to Bishop Josephat's house, calling for blood, calling for the bishop, and beating his servants, trying to find him. Now, when he heard the uproar and the clamor, Josephat came out and stood before the mob, dressed in his full bishop clothing, and he demanded that they leave his staff alone and deal with him directly. When they saw the bishop standing there, they rushed at him and began to strike Josephat with clubs and with axes, beating him all over his body until one of them finally finished him off with a bullet to the head. They killed him right there in his own house. But they weren't satisfied with that. In their hatred of this holy man, they stripped him naked and dragged his body through the streets before hurling it into a river. This man, who was so committed to unity amongst Christians, was killed for that desire. He was willing to die for the sake of bringing the East and the West together. Now, St. Josephat is an amazing patron saint for the work of ecumenism. Now, if you don't know what the term ecumenism means, it basically means working for the unity of divided Christians. So those who care and are working for the unity of divided Christians, that's called ecumenism. And you might not know this, but we still have divisions amongst Christians today. There are still many Orthodox Christians, many Eastern Christians who refuse to unite with the Catholic Church. And they are still in separation to this day. And then you add on top of that, the Protestant Reformation that happened in 1517, which means that now there are also millions of Protestant Christians who were separated from the Catholic Church. Now, they left for different reasons, and there's different uh, reasons for why that division exists. But the fact is, is that there are so many Christians that are separated from each other today. And we as Catholics are called to the work of ecumenism. We are called to reach out to these separated Christians, no matter what tradition they are, no matter what cultural context they separated from the church from, we are called to take the initiative to go and live our lives for them and work for greater unity so that we can all live out our faith in the one church that Jesus planned for. Now, many of the reasons why Christians are divided today are the same reasons, honestly, that existed in Josephat's time. There are still Christians today that don't want to become Catholic because they are worried about losing their traditions, their culture. They're worried about losing their community of faith if they unite with Catholics. And we need to be able to show them, like Josephat, that when we're seeking unity, that doesn't mean we're seeking uniformity. There is an authentic beauty in their traditions and prayers and culture of separated Christians. And when they unite with the Catholic Church, we have to try and show them that that doesn't mean they have to leave behind their traditions and their culture. But like St. Joseph had, show them that there is a beauty that is expressed in the same faith being shown in different ways. There's also historical hurts, historical resentments that happened in the past that can get in the way of unity. Often, I find that division is caused more by issues of the heart 
than they are just issues of the mind. It's not so much that we believe different things, although sometimes that is the case, but sometimes it's more an internal struggle with wanting to become one because of ways that we have been hurt by those who are from opposite sides. And so we as Catholics, again, we need to take the initiative here to set an example in seeking forgiveness, in asking for forgiveness, and then extending forgiveness in return. We need to be able to reconcile to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I really encourage you to be like St. Josephat. Live like he did, encouraging and supporting what is good and beautiful about the traditions of other Christians, while also pointing out the truth, the reality, that Jesus did not establish all of these different divided churches, but that he established one church. And he wants his followers to be united, not divided. Now, St. Josephat lived that out, not just with words, but in how he lived his life, right? His holiness did way more for his cause of unity than all of his preaching and teaching put together. And the same is true for us. We need to be able to live our lives in a way that is authentically holy so that other Christians can see that the Holy Spirit really is within us. And there's a desire then for unity, for oneness, And we need to pray, like St. Joseph had intensely, that the Holy Spirit would make the unification of Christians happen. Honestly, when you look at the world with all of its division and Christians fighting with each other, it seems impossible by human standards to somehow make all of these fighting Christians one. But I really believe that God is doing something new in the church especially in our times, that there is a unity happening now between Christians that we have never seen before in history. And I believe that God has a plan to bring us together as one. I have so many friends and even family that belong to different Christian denominations and churches and communities. And my heart breaks because even though we all have the same faith in Jesus, we don't belong in the same church. We're not completely united yet. But I have to have faith that God is doing something new in the church, that he's bringing us together once again. And I want to say yes to that. And I want to get behind that, which is why St. Josephat is such an amazing saint who I want to be like. And I hope that you too want to imitate this amazing saint who worked for Christian unity. And so let's pray right now to St. Josephat that he would help us to become these people who work for unity amongst the body of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Josephat, when priests around you were living lives of selfishness, were living lives of compromise, you were a man who was not swept along by that, but you became intensely focused on becoming a saint. That you weren't led astray by their bad example, but you dove deep into prayer, and into fasting. So help us to also have an intense desire to become a saint. Help us to be willing to put aside our comfort, our lukewarmness, our selfishness, in order to get serious with the Lord. St. Josephat, you had a desire for unity amongst Christians, and that caused you to work tirelessly for it, even when it cost you your friends, your reputation, and even your life. 
So help us to imitate you in taking that first step, whatever that first step is, to reach out to separated Christians, to try to imitate you in being a bridge for them. Help us to extend forgiveness where we've been hurt by division. Help us to ask for forgiveness where others have been hurt. To extend that branch of peace, let us feel the sadness and the pain that division amongst Christians causes to the heart of Jesus. That within Jesus' heart, there's a wound because his followers are fighting amongst each other. St. Josephat, help us to dedicate ourselves to reconciling with our separated brothers and sisters, to put aside our own wants, our own preferences, that all of us may be one as Jesus so desperately desires. St. Josephat Konsevich, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.